This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. 
CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. All right, it is Film Study with Ken McCusick. And here we are. I know it's the end of the week, but we still, it's by week, so we got an extra few days to keep talking about the loss this past Sunday to the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. Uh, week nine loss, 20 to 23 against the Titans. And here is Ken McCusick to break down the offensive line play and some more. Ken, how's it going? Life is good, Josh. How's it going for you? It's going all right. Some uh, technical difficulties, but we managed through. Let's do that. So, um, it seems odd that we're talking about this so late, but I also feel like we needed time to process this after watching a, uh, a poor performance all over the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. You think we'd be used to it by now after the season the Ravens have had offensively, but, uh, each one, its own little different difficulties here and injury to Stanley this time makes it looks a little uglier. We've, we've, uh, I think had generally pretty good offensive line play, but the problem with uh, with it this week was there really wasn't very much pressure on Joe, and yet Joe didn't have a lot of yards per attempt in this game either, and we, we want to talk about that a little bit at some point. Right, and they they the Ravens kind of hid hit it. If you just looked at the score, at twenty to twenty three sounds like it was a back and forth game when really. The Ravens were out of this game the whole time. They never really had an opportunity. Well, they were out, you know, in that fourth quarter when and and they were the game was over when they got the game the the touchdown to Decker that put them back up by ten. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Tough game. And you noticed I did this whole intro about the game and I didn't mention Brashard Perryman once. You have a <laughs> vendetta here, like nine hundred thousand other Baltimoreans. Well, next week when we do the mid-season report cards, I'll make sure then I can feel like I can really grade Perriman because we'll get to talk about him as a season as a whole. That sounds reasonable. So um, let's uh, let's get into it, and let's get into it with the ample time and space. You always talk about ample time and space, and Joe had ample time and space this week. Yeah, he did, and and that was the frustrating part about about him not making any good middle distance throws in this game because he had 30 of 54 dropbacks. That was 56%. So you take out Cook's pass. That didn't obviously wasn't didn't have anything to do with Joe. Didn't have anything to do with the offensive line for that matter. But 30 of the 54 times Joe dropped back, they gave him ample time and space. That included, unfortunately, 10 consecutive ATS opportunities when the Ravens were running their no-huddle offense on their final drive, when they finally scored a touchdown to jump to within three when they had less than a minute left and then had to kick an onside kick, which is not a uh, not a high-probability event now in the NFL anymore. And the Ravens, in fact, are on a long streak of failing every onside kick. So... Right. I don't... Right. I mean, yeah, I don't think Tucker has an onside kick for the Ravens. No, 16 years... Right, he has. He doesn't have one. No, two thousand one is the last one. That's the last time. All right, that's a yeah. really long stretch. Yeah, October at Green Bay against uh, in in a game where 
a very odd game for a lot of reasons, but it's also one of the only times that an NFL coach has gone for two when down 14 in the last two minutes. I'm sorry, let me, let me clarify. What? Yeah, explain, explain that yes. strategy. They're down by 14, and he's going Down by 14, two. they score to go down by eight. And then they went They went for two, and it actually... I, th- I was screaming at the TV set when I heard it. I thought it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But I actually did the math on it, and it makes complete freaking sense. And it actually, there's been papers written about it that are out there on the internet, so I urge you to look for that. Was and, the plan and, to follow it up with two field goals? No, the idea is that you're not trying to tie, you're trying to win. And by by taking, if, you're, if your probability is at least 38.2% of making a two-point conversion successfully, and it was 100% to make the kick, then the uh, going for two is superior because even if you fail, you still have a chance to go for two a second time. And let's say your chance was 50%. Let's, let's start with that. You'd have a chance to make it the first time, and then if you did make it, you're guaranteed the win with a second touchdown, which is the only scenario you need to consider, no matter how unlikely. Right, and okay. uh, right, and you having that backup of if you miss it, you can still go for it to tie. Make fifty gotcha. percent of the time, go to overtime. So, you, but if you if you uh, if you're gonna guarantee the two score opportunity and you go for two correctly, you have a sixty two point five percent chance to win the game instead of a fifty. So All right. anyway. And Billick that's did why it. Billick is no longer in the NFL. Well, it, it, he, it took him a long time to get him fired after that. But I did once yeah. ask him. He was he was at a company event, and I asked him the question: "Is you know that's one thing I was always really impressed by, and I knew you were a cyber coach and maybe you had a math background or whatever." And he he gave no indication that he understood at all what I was talking about. Like he didn't even remember the event. And then he tried to kind of kind of backfill and talk about Brett Favre and overtime and some nonsensical explanation for it. But I think the only thing that makes sense is he had a headset elf that he trusted who told him what the correct move was. And I'm I'm impressed by that as well. And so. and the fact that he just wants to win. And the the simple forget all the math and the simple the simple math of we can go for it again and still get the tie makes sense. You know, it, it, it seems to make sense to you. You're one of the only people to pick up on it this quickly. And I'm telling you, I, I mean, math guy. And I was screaming at the TV at the time. It didn't make any sense oh, to no. me. Oh, so. no. If, 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 <laughs> if, if I'm watching that in real time, I'm yeah. questioning every move. Right. But the fact that now you look back, you can explain it, and it makes sense. Well, there have been something like, and I, I want to give you, the, in the last two minutes, there's been something like 30 times or something that's come up. And and there was only there was only one of thirty or so that had been done over, and I forget what the period of time was. It might have been a, a four year period or a five year period they were talking about, but uh, but anyway, it hadn't it hadn't happened. Billick's time was the only time that anybody had done it. Gotcha. Um, so we, you were talking about how ten of those plays came during the uh, no huddle, right? So I ten- like I like that they brought the no huddle because Joe seems to be comfortable in the no huddle. <laughs> You don't think that? No, well, I think I, I think all quarterbacks like the time they get a little bit better in the no huddle. But Joe is is very slow about getting the no huddle. Uh, oh yeah, in, no, I'm play. not talking about that. Yes, yeah. I just mean I think Joe likes to, I think Joe likes to just right. play without thinking, and I think the no huddle lets him just go yeah, ahead I mean, and throw the ball around. He's been a good late-game quarterback, like a lot of quarterbacks. When you have four downs to work with and you have a tired pass rush, those are great combination of things to get 92-yard drives, as they did in Pittsburgh in 2000, whatever it was, 11. 
Right. Uh, so so they've, they've, they need to, uh, uh, you know, find ways to put them in that position. That's, they did that with against the Patriots in the, in the AFC Championship game. You probably remember that one. But they, uh, yeah, it, problem is Brady and other quarterbacks are used to running a no huddle very frequently. They get to the line of scrimmage and are, are, are don't even, they call their play there and they, they get to the line of scrimmage with 19 seconds left on the play clock. And, you know, they got all the time in the world. But uh, but that's been a problem with Flacco. He's he's never been able to really really uh, get people to line of scrimmage efficiently and and hurriedly. Yes. yes, the Ravens never look like um, the Ravens never look like they're in a hurry to get to the yeah. line. No alacrity at all. So anyway, what what happened on that final drive? They had ten consecutive ample time and space opportunities, and seven of those were three man rushes by the Titans. So you know that's a different situation. You're going to you're going to get ample time and space a lot when the other team uh, rushes three and you're blocking them with five, but then that means they have eight in coverage to cover your five guys and that's not a good situation either. So Joe ended up with a lot of short passes coming out of that and uh, and they were slow to drive down the field. Right, that just adds to the issue we've been having of wide receivers getting open. There you go. There you go. Um all right, well, let's get to the offensive line because they're doing their part. They're giving Joe time. Let's go. Uh, let's just go with the scorns of uh, the line like we normally do and start with Ronnie Stanley, who you mentioned was hurt. Yeah, so Stanley actually departed twice in this game, and, and there are several moments in this where he's obviously playing hurt. So he's playing with a brace to start with. He had a blocker early in the game where he was engaged with Casey, and he all of a sudden – Flew off Casey, like not like he was blocked by Jarrell Casey. He was a huge man, but he just he just kind of took his arms off him in a way an offensive lineman doesn't do. Clearly, with some sort of pain in his shoulder, and uh, then he went back and he made a big block in level two on the 17-yard pass to Williams. That was in the middle of the third quarter. It was one of his highlight blocks of the game. But when he did so, he bent his neck, and you could noticeably see that that was not a good thing. He left for about 10 plays in there, and Hurst took over at left tackle. Um, and, and then he came back, and he, and he was working through the rest of the game, and then he had to leave on the very last play where the Ravens finally scored their touchdown on the pass to Wallace. He was out on that play as well. Didn't have a great game overall. He was facing Brian Arakpo. He didn't do too badly against him, just allowed him 1.5 pressures. Uh, but he allowed some other pressures, and he allowed a big sack to Klug. Who's a defensive tackle and and uh, not a particularly swift player. So, I, honestly, uh, not a good game for Stanley. Uh, per point sixty five. His game is a D. It's the worst he's had since week three. That horrible implosion at Jacksonville, or at, in London, I should say, against Jacksonville. Right. Uh, so he's. Uh, it's one of the only games this season, one of only two, where he's really had a, a tremendously subpar result. As the rest of his performances have all been consistently between the A and C level, so that's uh, uh, that's consistent in the world I live in in terms of grading offensive line that someone stays in a, a narrow band like that. Right. Um, so hopefully he's a guy who can this this two week off this bye period is going to really help him. Hopefully to get some health. Yeah, a lot of players in that category. Stanley is is probably the most important single player to get healthy, and he's also one of the players that you could point to and say, "There's a player who could improve significantly in the second half." Because the second half of last year, he played at a much higher level than he did in the first half of this year. Right. Um, I think we didn't we attribute the improvement though in the second half of last year of him being comfortable in the NFL. I mean, he's a young guy. 
Sure, he was injured also in camp, okay. and so he started late, and then he was injured during the season for three weeks, I want to say, and, and didn't play that well. Came back one game, played awfully against Pittsburgh, and then all of a sudden he was a completely different player and the best left tackle in the NFL the last eight weeks or so. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on to James Hurst since he partially filled in. Yeah, that's right. So he had 65 snaps at left guard, 11 at left tackle. Um, the only thing he did that was a negative event came in his brief time at left tackle. So it was, he'd been in about three plays, and he was about to give up a sack to Arakpo, but he held him instead, which is the right thing to do. Uh, but that cost the Ravens uh, the play, and the Titans actually uh, held the Ravens to a passing loss of one on the play. So they completed the pass for a loss of one. And they declined the penalty. And I just the only thing I want to point out from that is we think of holding penalties as costing 10 yards and no loss of down. Well, this cost was more because it also meant the ball in this case because there was a there was a loss of down for a loss on a loss of one. It's kind of giving a free play to the defense is the way you, you think about that. So penalties have optionality in addition to having the yardage with it with the ability to decline a penalty. And uh, and that's something that's often undervalued. So I, I I still I'm very strict in terms of the grading and the score associated with penalties. Uh, and perhaps I should make a differentiation between penalties that can be declined and ones that can't be, like false starts that come before the play goes off. But uh, but I do feel strongly that the optionality cost of a penalty is very high. Right. Um. But decent game overall for him. Yeah, decent game overall, and he's had certainly a hell of a year so far. There's no complaining about what James Hurst has had. B-plus in this game would have been an A at guard. I'm sorry, I have the wrong wrong scoring here. B in this game would have been an A at guard. Um, but the last six weeks, James Hurst has been playing at a high B level. That's and that awesome. is pretty darn impressive, and I think way higher than we would have expected out of him, certainly to begin the year. Uh, he, like almost everybody else, had a terrible game at Jacksonville with an F. But uh, but since then, he's uh, he's played very well. Making a case to be a free agent somewhere next year. Uh, make some. I think he'll make some decent money. I think that the, the word is out now probably that he, he wasn't an ugly duckling. He was a swan all the time, if a swan is a guard and a duckling is a tackle. Um, and, uh, and probably his value as a swingman should be understated with whoever signs him. And his value as a guard should be more because he's done the done the things that guards do well. Twenty eight out of thirty four pulls now, uh, in the in the last thirty four attempts anyway, and that's uh, really terrific play from a guard. That's great. Uh, my favorite guy to watch each Sunday is Ryan Jensen, and he was again had a decent game. Yeah, pretty good game again for Jensen. He was involved in a sack. Uh, I think PFF gave him the entire sack, although I can't see into that. But uh, but he got half a sack in my book. Uh, we talked about the partial ability to grant partials and whatnot. Uh, his overall score was pretty good, .87. Uh, with adjustment, he gets up to a B plus. And I, I moderated the adjustments in this game because of that final drive and all the ample time and space that didn't really help the Ravens. But it's still uh, a, a solid game out of Jensen. Having a fine year, and I think this may finally be the week they start talking to Jensen about a contract. Uh, often is is the right time to do it is over the bye week, and I don't think they're really crazy about letting him hit free agency. Uh, he certainly is one of the cornerstone players on offense at this point. Right, definitely. Um, Matt Skura, again, he seemed to hold his own. 
Yeah, he's playing well, and uh, you know he's been fairly consistent. One of the Ravens' most consistent linemen uh, when he's been playing. Now he hasn't always played entire games. He came in in Jacksonville, played a partial game. He left at Oakland after you know having to, to have, getting injured and having to miss some games, and then two weeks after that. But when he's played, he's played pretty darn good. Now he's uh, 263 snaps for the season. He's averaged .78 in terms of a raw score, and to put that in context at guard. That's right on the C plus B minus level, and I think if anybody told you at the beginning of this season they were going to get Matt Scurro is going to perform at that kind of level for the Ravens in this this many snaps, I think you'd have called him crazy. Uh, but but this goes, I think, you know, in part to Scurro certainly for all the hard work I'm sure he's put in, but also in part to the Ravens coaches that I think uh, Dal Sandris and uh, and Greg Roman have done a great job with getting this offensive line to work together and make a lot with a little. I mean, you have both guards playing pretty darn well for what the Ravens could reasonably expect. That's that's exciting. I mean, scores aren't exciting, and they still got to win, but it's nice to see something in here that we can build on. Yeah, you know, if if you're a Browns fan, that's all you have to play for during the year. You have you have the, how are my young players doing, and how quickly can I get rid of the bad old players? Like, you'd be all over Brashad Perriman if he was playing for the Browns. You'd be trying to get rid of him all the time. But you'd also be oh. excited about the guy on the other side, hopefully. And then the other thing you get excited about is when you move up in the draft standings <laughs> because you're going to draft higher. And also, when you trade for draft picks, you root for those teams to lose too. So the Browns really want the, the, the Houston Texans to lose this year because they own their first and second picks. Right. But the Browns are interesting because no matter how many draft picks you give them, they still don't seem to be able to do anything with it. And that's that's fairly true. And they certainly let Carson Wentz, in accumulating all those picks, they let Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson go. So. Right. Right, um, and Bouchard Perriman, no matter where he is, I'll be rooting for him to go. <laughs> uh, Austin Howard has been struggling. He had been, and and he had a better game this week. Uh, came back with his best game since Oakland. And uh, B, overall, uh, .78 is a raw score. He allowed two and a half pressures. Uh, he had a fair amount of Derek Morgan in the game, which is one of the tougher assignments on the Tennessee line. Uh, certainly got a little bit of help. It was interesting to me. Howard got beat three times to the inside. A lot of his help comes from the outside, of course, from a from a chipping tight end or back leaving leaving the backfield. But uh, but interestingly, he was beat three times on the inside. So I wonder if if maybe he's trying to do too much to position himself so he doesn't get beat by the speed rush and and other pass rushers are, are noticing that and beating him on the inside. It, I, that's just trying to find a reason that might fit the outcomes here but that's uh that is a possibility gotcha um Bowanko, i'm pretty sure you just put on the list so that i'd have to say his name because luke <laughs> didn't play that much now 15 snaps 10 points this week he did allow a pressure so uh it, it's very hard to draw any kind of conclusions from that now he's, he's up to 29 total snaps for the year so that's still only about half a game worth of snaps but he's been okay 0.79 points per play that's that's solid at that position and is only one is one point ahead actually of what Matt Skura has produced for the year of course a lot of his blocks have been as the sixth offensive lineman so he's maybe blocking a smaller player on the edge gotcha um next week we're really gonna go into the offense and offensive grades but Mid-season now, what can we take away from this team at the, now that it's the mid-season mark, as well as what can this lineup do to improve? 
Yeah, it, it's be an interesting thing to really go down through the roster one player at a time and pick who, who could they get a lot more of in out of in the second half. Because if you go across the offensive line, there's they couldn't possibly get more out of their interior offensive linemen than what they've gotten out of Jensen, Hurst, and Skura so far. I I just can't see it. You can maybe get a little bit better play out of Howard, who hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been great either. And you can get a little bit better player of Stanley, who's played better in the in the past. But that's the only offensive lineman who could play better. If I look into the offensive backfield, I see much more opportunity for improvement with Danny Woodhead coming back. That you are going to replace some uh, Allen snaps with Woodhead snaps, and Allen has been a very low touch per. Low carry, oh sorry, low yardage per touch guy this year. 3.6 per carry, I believe, and something like 4.6 or 4.7 per reception. Both those numbers are completely unacceptable. Uh, I know some of that is probably on Joe, but uh, honestly, they, he need, they need to do more in terms of yards per touch, and Woodhead is the guy for that. Right, yes, and I think Woodhead showed some exciting things in the little bit that we saw him. That's and right. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, we all know his name, we know the way he plays the game, we are very excited for him to join the Ravens, so yeah, it'll be great to get him back on the field. How does the bye week work with the Ravens' schedules? When do they start practicing again? I believe it's Tuesday, I'm sorry, Wednesday of next week, so they may have some meetings on Tuesday or something, call them in, and and I don't know what the lifting schedule is like or what they have right. to uh, what they have to show, but there's other things they have to do as well. Uh, they may come in for video before that to try and get ahead if, if uh, particularly some players who are kind of on the margin and really want to show the coaches somewhere. I'd say if you're in the doghouse right now, so Bronson Kafusi, that I'm, I'm talking to you, and I, I guess who else have we been talking to who's in the doghouse right uh, now? Bowser's in Bowser. the doghouse. <laughs> Bowser, the perfect guy for the doghouse. Perriman is somehow, I think Perriman's on top of the doghouse because he should <laughs> be in there, but he's just... He's avoided it somehow. I mean, yeah, when you're telling announcers this guy, this wide receiver can't catch the ball, there's an issue. Yeah, so I, those are those are guys who you should make sure they get their mandatory lifts in. Kafusi in particular has been you know blamed for the lack of physicality. Needs to do something to impress Harbaugh, and this would be a good time. All right. So when do we find out? You think Tuesday, Wednesday is when we'll start hearing if Woodhead's on time on his schedule to play. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't be because they had him they started in practicing, which means they've already used the IRDTR spot on him. They can't they can't give it to okay. anyone else. So if if the if he fails to return within three weeks, and I believe that's that might be the next game, but if he fails to return within three weeks, then they can't bring him back. Okay. All right. So so we will see him on the field sometime yeah. in the next three weeks in some way. Yeah. All right. Um all right, got a few mailbag questions for you. The uh, well, first I'm going to get mine out of the way, which is a defensive question, which is from at Josh Soroka, like always, which is Timmy Jernigan, and the Eagles gave him a four-year extension yesterday. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised to see that? And is that a guy that the Ravens should have kept? No, I mean they shouldn't have kept him. I, I think this seals any question of whether or not the Ravens should have kept him. And if you look at it practically, would we have loved to have Timmy Jernigan this year? Probably, but would would we rather have the draft pick and not the responsibility for the cap? I think also for sure. The Ravens may also have been going into this off season and saying they know because of the amount of dollars that are coming off the cap that they're probably going to sign more free agents this year than they um, let go. And if that's the case 
then they wouldn't even get a comp pick for Jernigan. So they would lose out on that value okay. as well. So Jernigan, uh, while a, a fine player, and I think still probably not worth the contract he got in Philadelphia, um, is going to... Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy that somebody else signed him to that deal. Let's put it that way. Right. So I gotcha. So good move for the Ravens based on cap space. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now we'll get to the, the smart questions. Uh, at Casper and Crows? I think it's Clippers and Crows. Clippers and Crows. And Crows. C-P-R-A-S. All right. Clippers and Crows. I had my own L there. How many Raven drives have ended within five yards of the opponent's 40-yard line? Okay. Well, we got that question earlier today online, and there's actually been... Uh, you, can, you can look at that information on NFL GSIS, and if, if you want the secret password, it's NFL is the user ID, and NFL is the password, so you can go in there and just use it. But uh, that information is all out there in something called the drive charts, and you can look at the last play the last play from scrimmage, the last line of scrimmage, and you'll find that there were seven drives, which uh, the last play was between the 40 and 45-yard line, and seven others that was between the 46 and the 50. Uh, I think the point out of this was that Justin Tucker's field goal range is right in there at about 57 yards, and he's thinking that any time you get to the 40, you pretty much should have three points. And the Ravens have not tried every long field goal with Tucker this year, even the ones in the just the high 50s. They've let some of those go by the way, too. Well, and Tucker struggled with a few of those opportunities early in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did he miss a 59, and he might have missed one over 60 as well. So. Yeah. Right, no, they were long. They were, they were yeah. definitely long, uh, not easy ones that he missed. All right, uh, Edgar Catano asks, if this one-read checkdown is true, is it holding back Flacco, or are the coaches adjusting to the tendency of target fixation? I, okay, first of all, I, it's kind of a compound question where he's making an assumption about the first thing, that, the, that the, the coaches are somehow responsible for this thing. I actually blame it mostly on Flacco, that he had a lot more patience to wait for the receiver to break open later, earlier in his career. I think actually as time has gone on, he's developed an oversensitivity to getting rid of the ball quickly. And and part of that may have come from the injury. Another part may have come that he doesn't have as good an offensive line as he once did here. You know, the, the center of the offensive line in particular for the Ravens is just outstanding at the beginning of his career. And, and to be without that, I, I understand how that must create a different level of anxiety for him. Uh, but but a lot of it has to be on Joe. I mean, Joe has to hold the ball longer. And if he can't hold the ball longer under normal circumstances, maybe they need to keep more in and have some routes develop later uh, because you need to get that field spread. The Ravens have speed. They have the ability to spread the field, and they really need to get it, get the defenders spread in order to make some of these underneath routes work. Right. Uh Joe was pretty outspoken with the media this week, or I guess after the Titans game. The Ravens have thrown the ball 308 times this season. There's a, they're fifth in the league on as pass attempts, but only averaging 5.3 yards per completion. Yeah, that's terrible. Is that a, can we blame that on the play calling like this is asking, or do you also think that's a that's a Joe thing? Uh, it's probably some of both. I mean, they they do need to create more opportunities. You know, one thing, one play, I don't know why we haven't seen it, because it was successful for the very first touchdown of the season was the 48-yard touchdown to Macklin. And I have no idea why they have not returned to more of those pick-and-rub route concepts 
given how much trouble they have getting receivers free. So if you have trouble getting those guys free, you want to get the ball into Perriman's hands or to, to in directed towards yeah. Perriman's hands. <laughs> yeah. What hands? He has hands? I didn't yes. realize Perriman had hands. Yeah, so see if he can clop down with both bricks on the ball. But yeah, anyway, if you want to, if you want to get Perriman the ball in the open field where he could really be dangerous, and he has been in the past, uh, you know, you you need to probably do something like that to to create pick or rub opportunities for him. So anyway, I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, I mean, they gave Perriman a few deeper opportunities on Sunday, and I, I hope that, like you said, that first touchdown came to Macklin. I hope that we start to see more deep balls to Macklin. I don't trust Perriman. You know that. All right. Well, Macklin's, Macklin is definitely building some trust with Joe from this last game to catch eight of nine balls thrown to him. So that's a very positive sign. I think, you know, he's already is, has a good rapport with Watson, it seems. And hopefully getting Woodhead back and adding a third layer to that would, would really help as well. And you'd have one at, one at each level, maybe. All right, Ken, final question for you. This week, there's no Ravens game. So clearly we got to root against someone. Who, who, who do we need to be rooting against? All right. Is well, it as I, simple as the Steelers, or not? Not much anymore because we need wild card more than division, right? We we do need wild card more than division. So I'm going to go through the the one of the most key games is the Saints need to beat the Bills in Buffalo. So the Saints are on a six game winning streak. They're favored to win that game, and even though it's an NFC loss for the Bills, which is not as costly, uh, having the Bills and the Titans lose is the are the most important two. Uh, if you go out, I don't think we care about the Packers or Bears. I don't think we care about the Browns or Lions. Actually, you want you want to care about the Browns or Lions? Root for the Browns to get a win because it it actually is a lot worse if the Browns have the number one draft pick than the number two draft pick. Okay. Uh, the Steelers and Colts, I, I I would be rooting for the Colts. I'm not sure that really matters much. Right. Uh, I do want the Chargers to beat the Jaguars, even though I don't think there's a chance the Jaguars are going to implode and go to eight and eight, which is really what it would take for the Ravens to get ahead of them at nine and seven. Uh, the Jets, I don't really care, but since they're playing an NFC team, sure, root for the Bucks to win that game. The Bengals and the Titans, a tough one, but I believe we're now rooting for the Bengals to beat the Titans. The Titans are a much more significant wild card threat at this point, and the Bengals would only improve to four and five with a win. The Vikings and Redskins NFC game, I would not even have that on a group of seven TVs to watch it. The Rams, we do want beating the Texans, but there is a I might not want that. And here's my reasoning. The Rams beating the Texans would be another loss for the Texans who are who would beat a three and six and almost certainly out of the wild card hunt, and maybe even a little less likely to win their game against the Ravens. But on the other hand, if the Texans lose the Browns move further up in their draft picks because they own the first round and second round picks of the Texans. Yeah, but they're just going to waste it. You know, it, that won't happen forever, Josh. At some point, they're going to connect on two of two in the first round, and they've already done it this year. they got Jamal right. Peppers, and they got, you know, Miles Garrett. We, don't, we, we can't afford to be that blasé about it. All right, fine. Then we'll see. The Browns one day will we'll start winning, and Perriman will start catching. All right, All I'll right. stick with you. Okay, a couple more games here. Uh, we don't care about the other two NFC games, the Cowboys and Falcons, the Giants and 49ers. Could care less. I guess I do want the 49ers to lose because I want them to beat the beat the Browns out of the top draft pick. Um, uh, the Patriots and Broncos, I want the Patriots to win. The risk of having to go Gillette is, is, a, is a less significant risk to me than letting the Broncos back in the AFC wildcard race somehow. Uh, the Panthers and the Dolphins, sure. We'll take the Panthers to beat the Dolphins. And the Seahawks and Cardinals, I, I could care less again. So I think that covers it, and you've got a, a little view into how psychotic I am about 
individual reasons for wanting games to go a certain way. Oh yeah, you're all, you're already you're already looking at the draft and not just the draft as far as the Ravens drafts, but not wanting other players, good players coming into the division. There you go. So I get that. Um, all right, Ken. Well, next week we're still going to be doing film study. We got two episodes coming out next week where we're going to go through your midseason report cards for the offense and the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, until then, people can head on over to RussellStreetReport.com and, re- and read anything listed as film study. There's, Sorry, other, good, there's other great writers, too, but your stuff is under film study. I, I do appreciate you pointing them in that direction. And Josh and our my old podcasts are all there, so you can go and listen to some of those if you like. There's a section on charts and graphs that has a bunch of the offensive line scoring. Please join. Love for you to follow me. Uh, and I want to sh- give a shout out to the Purple Rain Show for listing me as one of 12 or 14 writers that, that uh, uh, Twitter handles that every Baltimore Ravens fan must follow. So appreciate right. that. I hate JJ Reddick. And, uh, yeah, Phil, Phil, does a, Phil does a good job with, with Purple Rain. All right. And how about you, Josh? Where can they find uh, you, Matura? They can find me on Section 336, Baltimore Sports Talk. Um, and it's as simple as that weekly podcast talking Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and, uh, maybe even the Baltimore blacks once in a while or whatever else is going on in Baltimore. All right. Did you ever cover any Baltimore women's football or anything? Or is that was now, uh, I believe that team imploded before we started the podcast or we just don't care. I I mean, wasn't that a lingerie team? I don't really care to go to that. (laughs) I, I'm, uh, I don't think that's. Sports. I think that's more entertainment than sports on the ESPN scale. Right there, you go. But uh, no. But if they get a basketball <laughs> team, hockey team, anything like that, I'm all for it. All right, very so. good. But won't, right, you won't take a Washington team. You won't go out and root for the Caps and go to games uh, with them. I've tried. Okay. I've tried. Um, the Wizards. The Wizards intrigue me. I will pay attention to the Wizards a little bit, but that's about it in Washington sports. Okay. I like the so, Caps, and I enjoy those games, but that's okay. I, I have trouble watching hockey. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I cannot get into hockey at all. So, all right, Ken. Well, enjoy uh, a week of rooting against everyone else. Uh, root against everyone else. And, and, Josh, I understand you're going on vacation this week. Tell them where you're going. I, I, I thought I'd say that enough when we were on the show. I will be, uh, <laughs> I'll be recording our podcast next week from a cruise in the uh, Bahamas. Okay, make sure they have a good internet connection. Right, just in time for this cold snap that's starting, like, tomorrow. That's, uh, so. you know, it's, it's called rubbing it in. It's an unnecessary roughness penalty here you're, uh, you're throwing in. But I appreciate right. it, man. You have fun.
Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.